Welcome back to another fun-filled edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Lakina McGee, which is she, I am Sydney Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow your show on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, first on YouTube at War Media, once again at W-A-R-R Media. You want to get a sneak preview, you can. Videos drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube. Once again, videos drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. You can get the audio version of this podcast by simply going to War on Anchor. We are available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. Make sure you type in that search engine box on the all podcast platforms, W-A-R-R on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. You, you can go to our website, weareregalradio.com, for more details. And you can find us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you very much for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. We are on the pod, Jaggly Fun, and we have very definite opinions. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Lakina, when things are going your way and when things are, are in your favor, don't it just feel like you're on cloud nine? Well, I know you're on cloud nine today, I, they said, especially after that nice... Great weekend performance in the, for the White Sox in their series against the Houston Astros, one of the top teams in the American League. They went two out of three, and look, the pitching was dominant. And and look, I think she just messed up my intro. Oh, okay. well, <laughs> go ahead, ahead go well, ahead. I, well, go I figured ahead. that's where you were going with it. So. Yes. Go ahead. Get straight to the point. But yeah, I mean, look, it, was, it was a very dominant performance by the pitching. Yeah, we can do it every once in a while. Let's switch it up here. But uh, look, it was a great dominant performance. And, and like I said, like I said to our, our girl Leila Raheem, who does a great job on you know, one of the top more top midday shows in, in Chicago. Yeah, we got to get her back on here soon. Yeah, we do when she's not, I know she's like super busy right now. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> look, they only gave, you know, after, you know, of course, you know, the 7-1 loss on Friday, they did only give up one run. I think they only gave up, I think like three or four hits, I think, total, maybe five hits in total, you know. Carlos Rodon had a, a nice outing on Sunday and, you know, to win the series. And and look, I, I think, look, I think that a ser- when the series like this could be good for the psyche. I, I think that, you know, especially since it got swept in Houston, I think, you know, beating them two out of three, had the crowd, the full crowd there over at G-Ray Field. I think that really helps, you know, a team, you know, get the, you know, get the adrenaline pumping and to get the, the energy going. Like I said, the pitchers were dominant, Kopech and Rodon and, and Hendricks. I mean, that, that, you know, that was a really, you know, great start and done a performance all around. And one, you know, especially against one of the top hitting teams in the league. So I think that, could, that, all, that can all, always help you know, with the, with the, like the team psyche, I think, look, I don't look, look, I'm not saying that they're going to win, you know, the world series. Like I said, they're going to be the AL representative, but I think winning a big series like this, especially to start off the second half of the season can only help. Sid, what do you think? We talked about it last week about the White Sox doing better against 500 teams. Uh, of course, the, the formula for winning teams, you play a, 
way above 500 against the bottom feeding teams. You take care of them on a consistent basis. And you play at or slightly above 500 against the winning teams. The White Sox, after being embarrassed on Friday, they came out, as you mentioned, I was there for both games. Go check out my social media pages. I have mm-hmm. proof, as always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but with that being said, uh, the White Sox office actually came to life. They took advantage of the mistakes that the Astros starting pitchers made and the White Sox played up to their caliber of what we've been known for them to do all season long. Now, Saturday's game, Lucas Giolito pitched, I believe, his best game of the season. I thought Tony Lewis, Lewis was going to take him out after Lucas gave up that solo shot in the ninth inning. But Lucas Giolito's uh, pitch count was still okay. It was around 100 uh, in the ninth inning. He was still mm-hmm. firing. So Tony Lewis, a great job to him for leaving Giolito in there. Of course, he got the final two outs and and that, uh, that mm-hmm. in the bat said that. Yes. But the offense came through for the White Sox on Saturday night. Uh, you know, uh, Tim Anderson, he's been on on a tear lately. Uh, even though he was named as a replacement uh, for the All Star game, he's shown you why he's an All Star type of player. Gavin Sheets stepped up. Jake Berger, uh, the rookie infielder, congratulations to him on hitting his first career dinger on Saturday night. So the White Sox offense uh, was firing all cylinders now on Sunday. Uh, they took advantage again early. Uh, Valdez, uh, the left-hander for the Astros, wasn't lucky his pitches, and the White Sox took advantage of a couple of errors, especially early in that game on Sunday that the Astros made. And what the White Sox do, just like 0-5, they converted them in, into runs. So you got to find many ways to win ballgames. We said this all year, Lakina, with the – with still now four superstars out for the White Sox as we speak. We know that this team doesn't hit a lot of home runs, but when they do, they're damn near unbeatable. But you got to find other ways to win the win a ball game. And Sunday's game showed that it was led by the starting pitch, and Carlos Rodon almost threw a no-hitter, but he struck out uh, 10 batters in seven innings of work. Uh, as you mentioned, Kopech came and shut it down in the eighth, of course. Closer league of Hendricks uh, did his thing in the ninth inning, too preserve the win and preserve the series win. Now, I know people are going to look at the stats and say, well, you only beat the Astros two out of a, four, three, three seven three. games this year. Yeah, two out of seven, yeah. No, but I'm talking about the season series overall. Oh, okay, right, uh, yeah. uh, Seven games. You only beat them twice. But, hey, you beat them twice. You took advantage uh, of, of Astros' mistakes. And like you mentioned before, it, it gives this team confidence just in case they meet down the road in the playoffs. And so this was huge for the White Sox. Now, I said in our last episode mm-hmm. over the weekend, it's not going to break their season if they would have lost, uh, this, uh, lost the series, but it gives this team much confidence. Now that you took two out of three games, you could play with the Astros. Mm-hmm. Are, are the Astros going to be favored by some people's eyes come October? Yes, yeah, so I think the White Sox will be the overwhelming favorites. But winning this series this weekend, especially on your home turf in it, in front of a big crowd. It was close to a sellout. I was there both days, Saturday mm-hmm. and Sunday. It was close to a sellout. And as we talked about it before, before things were opening up, the White Sox organization in particular, they need their fans to show up. And so far, they have shown up. And it made a big difference uh, this past weekend against the Astros. Well, yeah, I think like you said, Sid, I, I think that this, you know, winning a series, yes, they could, yes, it would have been nice if they had swept them, but again, I think, you know, you just have to win the series, especially in a team against the Astros. I mean, you know, Anderson has some, you know, quality hit, has some quality hitting Adam Engel, you know, back, you know, he's, he has some, some quality hits, you know, Makata had some good ones too, you know, 
there have been look the, the guys have stepped up and i think <laughs> look you know eloy might be back in a, in a few weeks you know robert might be back in a few weeks i mean you know we'll see if this team can kind of get at full strength i mean hope you know knock on wood and we said this on friday mm-hmm. hopefully you know suffer from any more injuries especially on that pitching staff because you know lynn's been you know been you know very you know very quality um you know Kako's had his struggles but you know but he he's been you know very solid you know giolito's been solid as well like rodon had that you know, had that near, you know, perfect start again against, you know, the Astros on Sunday. So I think if you can get that, you know, if you can get your, you know, your pitching also to stay healthy, I think you can be in a, you're in a good spot now. You know, we'll talk about the trade deadline coming up in a couple of weeks. Well, actually, like about a week and a half from now, give or take. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, you know, there have been folks that have said that, you know, teams like the Diamondbacks, teams like the Pirates, you know, they're probably going to hang on to their guys probably until like maybe the 30th, <laughs> which is next week. <laughs> so I think that that's probably what might end up happening. So what do you think? You know, what do you think about like, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the prospects, you know, and things like that? couple of things. One, we, we said this about a month ago uh, when many Sox fans, especially on social media, were clamoring, were clamoring for GM Rick Hahn to make a deal around the 4th of July and a couple weeks before that. We told you guys, big-time deals do not happen around that time because the price, asking price is too high. Now, when you get down to the trading deadline, teams will be more fair, more realistic because you cannot jip them in terms of uh, uh, what you want from – from that particular player from that particular team. And so as I said, we said before, I know I, I've been banging this drum. It's going to come down to the last minute. And don't be surprised if it happens. It always happens just like that, like this every year, folks. So same dance, same script, same music. It's going to happen again. Now, I know there was some reports, uh, depending on who you read, that the White Sox all, almost had a deal in place right before last Friday's series opener against the Astros. Of course, those reports turned out to be not true, but – as we said before, if you're the White Sox, you don't want to mortgage the future too much for a player that you're going to um, play for only a couple of months. Now, we said this during the offseason. Mm-hmm. The, the way the Cubs and the Astros won their World Series, you're not going to keep all your prospects. They're prospects for a reason. you got to start off trading off uh, a few of these guys to get the impact, impact players you want. As we mentioned before, we saw it with Houston. We saw it with the Cubs, with, with the Waldis Chapman in 2016. I know he, he brought some baggage with him, but he did what he had to do to help the Cubs win the World Series, correct? Yes, sir. So the same thing is going to happen on the, on the south side. You're not going to keep everybody. I wouldn't be shocked if one or two players off this current roster right now is going to go uh, between now and July 31st. So this is the way you win in baseball. And it's just Sox fans going to have to accept the fact and prepare for it. Yeah, look, if you're a Sox fan, you hope that you won't have to give away some of your top prospects. But like you said, said you may not. If you're trying to win and you're trying to win now, you may not have a choice but mm-hmm. to perhaps maybe, you know, you know, put in some of your top, maybe if not, maybe not all of them, and maybe maybe a couple of your top prospects in order to get mm-hmm. that, you know, that key player, that key bullpen guy or extra, you know, relief guy that you're going to need to perhaps maybe – you know, get you to the top. So that's probably something you're just going to have to do. Yeah, and that's that's the price of doing business in Major League Baseball uh, around this time of year. So as we said before, things like this happen, so you have to prepare yourself for it. Hopefully, as we said on the show for the last few weeks, Rick Hahn hopefully doesn't overpay for a player, which I don't think he will, but you don't have to over, 
overpay an over um, value of give away too much for a player that you had to use for the next two or three months. So and that, that's the way that uh, we're, we're looking at it. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sidney Browns. We talk up about the Chicago White Sox before we move on to the other team in town, 8.9 miles north. Mm-hmm. Uh, congratulations to uh, uh, All-Stars uh, uh, starting pitcher for the White Sox, Lance Lynn. Uh, he signed a two-year $38 million extension. It was announced on Saturday be- uh, before Saturday's game against the Astros. Like, you know, I know people, some people on Twitter have been uh, crampering, including our good friend of the show, Mr. Chris Lanuti from the Socks in the Basement podcast, re-signing mm-hmm. Lance Lynn. Well, you got your wish. You, you got, got wish. done. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Lance Lynn, this is a great move for the White Sox. I know free agency, which all players cringe, but they crave as well, especially if you're top caliber player, pitcher in this case, if you're Lance Lynn, because you're going to command as much as you could on the open market. All that money is guaranteed, but so Lance Lynn has been, has been uh, talking to the media over the over the uh, last few weeks, saying that he like he loves it here in Chicago. He has that bulldog mentality. He likes the South Side mentality of where this team is headed. He's been their workhorse all year, along with Lucas Giolito. They're the only two pitchers that can pitch 100 pitches plus pitches in in starts. So. Lance Lynn, he's been a valuable, valuable piece. We had uh, another good friend of the show, Johnson Nelson, on from the um, Sox Machine podcast back in December. And, he, and we talked about it. And Lance Lynn is going to be a horse uh, for this White Sox team. It was a good move. We know that him and Lou Russa have a relationship going back to their days in St. Louis. Lance Lynn won a World Series under La Russa back in 2011. So Lance Lynn is that veteran ace that this young White Sox team needs. He's, he's proved that so far this year. And hopefully he can stay the course and stay healthy just like everybody else now until the end of regular season and prove your worth even more come playoff time. And I, I know some people see that he's 34, and I know some folks are still a little, you know, hesitant about it that you gave the guy. But look, it's a look, it's a, it's a low, you know, it's a low deal, you know, a potential, you know, high risk, high reward, and he's been good for you so far. We know he's mm-hmm. yes, he's had some injury issues early in his career, but he's been, you know, especially a co- even a couple years ago before they signed him. But you know, mm-hmm. and. But the look, I think that he's been really good for you so far, and I think you know you didn't want to take any, take any chance of him going into the open market, which I'm sure a lot of teams would have been clamoring for him. So I think look, you lock him down now, see what he can do. You know, he might be your your number one starter when you you know when the playoffs start. You know, we'll we'll see. Should mm-hmm. be interesting. But look, yeah, hopefully, you know, look, he's also a very colorful guy in the media. I know a lot of, a lot yeah. of you know, people who cover the White Sox. You know, he's always good for a, a little bit of um, coverage there, but. He's not afraid to, you know, share his opinions. But uh, I, I think, look, I think this is a good signing for them. And I think, look, getting a guy in the fold, especially if you're you're in this win now mode, I think that's that was very key. And you know, good for Rick Hahn for doing just that and you know, locking down Lance Lynn for a couple more years. Speaking of the White Sox getting attention, we should note that uh, there will be a, they will be appearing on Sunday Night Baseball coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, this yes. upcoming Sunday. They will take on the Milwaukee Brewers in American Financial Field. I still call him uh, Miller Park. Miller Park yeah. but anywho, <laughs> but anywho, the third game of this series uh, about five days away. Those of you listening to us on the podcast version, and this upcoming Sunday at six o'clock on ESPN, the White Sox will take on the Brewers, and then in a couple of weeks after that, uh, the third game of the round one of the Crosstown Series against the Chicago Cubs from Wrigley Field. That's on August the eighth. That game has been moved to Sunday night as well. So the White Sox will be on your TV screen on Sunday night, two out of the next three weeks here. So 
the White Sox are getting attention. They deserve it. And, and let's see if they can keep it rolling on their way to a, a central division, a central division crown. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. You listen to the Second City Sports Podcast along with Sydney Brown. I'm Lakina McGee. Let's let's go up north to the North Siders here, Sid. Um, let's talk about the Cubs. The Cubs went two out of three against the Diamondbacks. I should have swept them, but you know, again, whatever. Mm-hmm. But but again, you know, they they didn't have a good a good showing on Sunday. You know, to help that that could have swept them, they probably should have swept them. They had chances mm-hmm. late, you know, and they couldn't, you know, they couldn't capitalize, but. You know, at the very least, they didn't lose the series, you know, because that would have been bad. No, they're not. Currently, they're mm-hmm. nine. They're nine back of the Brewers. And, you know, Sid, you know, what, what do you think? I mean, I think that, you know, people have already said, you know, Let, let's trade Kimbrell. Let's trade Rizzo. And I know people have seen some folks, some guys that they have picked up, but so do the White Sox and other teams. I mean, especially with some teams, you know, making up games for double headers. This is what they do. So I think for people to say that, oh, well, Rizzo's going to get traded now because they bought this, this guy up from the minors, this first baseman. No, they're just trying to make sure they have extra players because they've got games to make up. So I think for you know, people who are once again overthinking it, I think people just need to chill. But, <laughs> but you know, right, I mean, but they, they've got the Cardinals coming up. They can kind of put the Cardinals away. They've had their struggles as well. And also to maybe perhaps, you know, now that the, you know, they can maybe, maybe perhaps we hopefully gain a couple of games. And so that maybe you still have a, a puncher chance of at least when, at least, you know, making the division competitive. So what do you think? Here's the thing when I, when it comes to the Chicago Cubs, I was not surprised that they only took two out of three for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I said on our last episode, they should have, they, they should sweep the Diamondbacks, but for some funny reason, I felt like they were going to take two out of three and that's exactly what happened now. This series against the Cardinals is very important because these two teams marry each other. I know the Cardinals had more injuries than the Cubs this year, but so far they, they've been competitive, but not up to their standards. And so for the Cubs, uh, if any good news that came out of the weekend besides uh, taking two out of three, Cal Hendricks looked good on, on Friday. He uh, won his best starts in a while. The offense started to come through. It just didn't show up on Sunday. But can they use that momentum of what, what happened on Sunday when they almost came back and won? Can they carry that through this Cardinals series this week? It's a big four-game series on the road. Can, can they carry that momentum into this series? I'm not sure. I know we talked about the comments that Wilson Gutierrez made about a week and a half ago saying that, this, I'm paraphrasing here, that this team doesn't have the heart. You know, they had to uh, get their heads out there, you know what's, and play baseball, start worrying about other things. Uh, as we said before, things are not going well right now in that club. I said, that's what happens when we lose 12 out of 13 right before the all-star break. So things, uh, you start to see people's true character when things are not going well, but for the Cubs, can they just, um, get their heads out of the sand and just play baseball? Uh, these games are important, obviously, but they're within the division as they take on the Cardinals before you face the Diamondbacks this upcoming weekend again at Wrigley Field. And can you take care of business against the Cardinals? Or, like you said, not put them away, but, you know, send a message from and say, saying that, you know, you don't belong with us. I'm not sure, but it, it, it's going to be interesting. Well, it, look, it's always interesting when these two play each other. You know, you, you always know the records and the positioning of the divisions around the other one when these two play. So it'll be interesting what they, what they do here. And I think – Look, I think at this point, I think if you're just just try to win as many as you can, you know, try to maybe get, you know, eat some of, eat up some of that lead that the Brewers have 
established because like I said I don't think the Brewers are going to end up winning the division I just don't I, I don't trust I don't trust them at all and but yeah their pitching is good but they're hitting you know, it's a little bit it's a little can be inconsistent at times so they're just now now they're kind of the cream of the, the crop right now so you know you got look you got Mills against Wolf, Wolf, Wolford you know that game's already been played already but then you got you got Hendricks and Ray White that should be a fun one Alizé Azale actually who was actually good in his last start against the Diamondbacks when it's actually you know Maybe you can kind of you know, gain a couple of games there, mm-hmm. and you know, with with the Cardinals, you win at least, at least win three out of four, and you get you get um, the Diamondbacks at Wrigley Field, you know, this weekend. Maybe perhaps you know, hopefully sweep. I think that's probably you know, mm-hmm. with them playing the and with the you know, the White Sox playing the Brewers this weekend, you can probably help the White. You guys could probably help the Cubs out. <laughs> you know, we'll take care of our business. You help us out by taking care of the business, you know, shades of the league. But, uh, but yeah, I think what they need, their, their pitching needs to be consistent again. Their hit needs to be consistent. You know, like Hayward, Hayward has some big hits, you know, and those a couple of wins against the Diamondbacks. You know, hopefully that can keep up. Baez was solid. You know, just, just you keep that consistency up. And I think cause this is big for them. If they can at least shave, you know, shave a couple of games or two or three games from that lead or maybe even four games, you know, maybe they can be end up becoming, you know, buyers in a trade deadline, who knows, but this, this, these next, this next week's bid for Cubs, I think for their future. I know there was going back to the trade rumors and things along that line. Also, there was a report that came out over the weekend that, uh, that the Cubs and, and people around the Cubs uh, have denied that uh, Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez were given extensions by Cubs management and they're close in air quotes to, both of them are close to resigning. Rizzo, I'm not too surprised about because I think we pretty much figured that he's going to be here for the at least for the rest of his career as the Cubs are trying to make this transition. Javi Baez, his name's been on the training block all year, along with Chris Bryant and Craig Kimbrell. Uh, Javi, uh, looking at the stats, he's having a nice year, but it's not like it had an MVP type level like it was a couple of years ago. And so he's a, a free swinging hitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, you like the energy that he brings to the field. He's a heck of a defender. I know he has a couple of minor incidents, at least on the field incidents this year. It seems like he's learned from them. But do you, the question is for the Cubs, do you want to commit to him long term? Technically, they can, can commit to him and Brian, but it seems like to me that it's going to be a tough choice between Brian and Rizzo. Not Brian and Rizzo, Brian and Baez. Now, the common sense the common sense baseball man that I am, which I know I think I am, mm-hmm. if, if those reports are true, okay, you resign Javi Baez. We all know, already know that Rizzo is, is pretty safe bet that he's going to be here for the rest of his career. If that's the case, when will Chris Bryant be traded? July 31st, or you just let him walk at the end of the year? If that's the case, you just made up your mind that Javi Baez is more important than Chris Bryant. And Chris Bryant has had a nice year. Yeah, I think at this point, I think it's really anything that comes out that says, well, this guy's going to get an extension, this guy's going to get traded. I think you just got to wait and see. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, you can't like, you know, play on, you know, rumors in your windows. I think that these are the type of things that can kind of ruin a locker room. So I, mm-hmm. I, for me, I would say, look, just wait. I mean, look, if they both get, you know, if both Rizzo and Baez get resigned, fine. You know, if Brian gets traded mm-hmm. or look, there's still a chance that maybe Brian might resign, you know, at, at a discount. So we, we just don't know at this point. So I think that, you know, you just kind of have to, like, just do the wait-and-see approach. Because I think that, you know, guessing and everything else, you just, mm-hmm. it, it just it really doesn't do anybody any good. No, it doesn't. 
All right, Sid. So let's get to what happened around the league. What caught your attention? Oh, the Red Sox and the Yankees. <laughs> mm. It seems to that the baseball world wants to uh, make people catch the attention of that series. Uh, the Yankees finally beat the Red Sox this year for the first time all year. They took the series uh, in their backyard uh, at yes, Yankee Stadium, winning two out of three. I watched Saturday night's game soon, uh, via my computer as soon as I got mm. home for the White Sox game. I don't know about you, Lakina. I know why that the game had to go on. I know there, for those of you that watched the Red Sox and Yankees last Saturday on Fox across the country, you got a chance to see our boys, the White Sox, <laughs> until <laughs> your game was <laughs> got started. Um, I, I know that uh, the reason why the Yankees-Red Sox game was played on Saturday night, I'm surprised they got six full innings. I think the rule is four and a half or five full innings five. to be an official five yes, innings to be an official game. Five and a half, five, five and a half. They keep changing, they keep changing, but yeah, I think it's right around there, yeah. I believe it's five full innings, but I'm surprised they got six innings in there because at the start of the game, it was raining really hard, and Mm -hmm. then it it let up. I said, okay, it then rained again about two, three more times. It was a great pitcher's duel between uh, Nathan Evaldi of the Red Sox and Garrett Cole of the Yankees. It looks like Garrett Cole finally started to figure out in his last couple of starts. It goes back to the Astros game about a week or so ago, and he – did a great job last Saturday. I was surprised that game got through, even though it was six innings. Yeah, because think, it did not look good weather-wise. <laughs> yeah, I, I was kind of surprised that they were able to play. They tried to play through it. I guess as as long as, as there was no lightning mm-hmm. area, and I guess both teams were okay with playing. You know, through the rain. Mm-hmm. I guess you know that was fine. But but finally, it kind of got to a point where they just couldn't do it. I think it was it's got it just got too dangerous. You know, guys were slip. Guys mm-hmm. were probably starting to slip inside the field, so they just couldn't do it anymore. But look, I think if look, you're you're seven up. You know, you're seven. You know, you're seven back if you're the Yankees. I mean, I look. I don't know what the future's going to hold for them. I'm sure. There, there were rumors about some of their guys, you know, mm-hmm. especially with their guys, you know, you know, off right now because of COVID. Some of their guys, judge, judge, especially. So, you know, the fact that they were able to win two out of three, I think that's, you know, that's that that speaks volumes. And I think hopefully, maybe the the you know the Yankees kind of make a, a division of this. I mean, you know, they're, they're you know they're seven back. I should, I said, you know, I think they're like three or four games back of the wild card. So I think they're going to try to make things interesting and. Mm-hmm. Look, it'll be interesting what, what happens here. I, I think they'll they 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 actually will be playing again in a couple of weeks. The Yankees and the Red Sox again. So yeah, you know that that's you know that's going to be another thing. So you know we'll see. I mean, again at the, at this point, you know, look, I think coming out of the gate, I think you know the Yankees knew what they needed to do. And look, you know, I don't know if they're still not going to be sellers, but look, I think that you know winning two out of three against your rivals, I think it makes things interesting. Yeah, also, too, the San Diego Padres going to the NL for a second. The San Diego Padres taking care of the Washington Nationals over the weekend, despite what happened outside the stadium uh, last Saturday. Mm-hmm. Three people were shot. You could hear the gunshots on the broadcast, which is very scary. Thank goodness no one seriously got hurt. No one passed away. But uh, it, 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 I just want to mention this for a minute. Uh, I, I got the notification on my phone because, like I said, I was at the Sox game, so I, I saw the, the reports when I got home. I was like, I said, I know it had nothing to do with the game, but just the incident just happened to be outside of Nationals Park. Our our thoughts and prayers and uh, condolences are um, our, our thoughts are with that the city of Washington D.C. right now. But Lakina, I'm not going to see and tell people how to live their lives, but you just have to be extra careful, and you shouldn't expect stuff. We know stuff like this happens in the world, okay? But we just have to be, as a society, extra cautious, okay? And stuff like this shouldn't happen anywhere, but we accept the world as it is. But 
the last place you want stuff like this to happen is at a baseball game. Thank goodness no one got hurt as the fans uh, at National Nationals Park was exited out the stadium very peacefully. It, it wasn't too chaotic, thank goodness. But it, it was just a very uh, scary scene last Saturday night. Yeah, it was very frightening. It looks like it was a it was a domestic disturbance. It was kind of like a domestic thing that just happened, like just right outside, mm-hmm. you know, Nationals Park. But yeah, I think it's just, done, you know, thankfully no one passed away. You know, the injuries weren't serious, mm-hmm. and apparently, I guess, I guess, like one of the the, the people that was shot, I apparently was the the suspect too. You know, that that's a again, I might I might be wrong, but that's like another like going to another you know going to another subject. But yeah, I think it's just a mm-hmm. little. Yeah, just I would say I would say for folks, you know, like we said at the end of the show, just be careful because you know things are getting dangerous. People are a little, you know, off mm-hmm. right now. So like, like, let's just just be careful and just, you know, let's just let's just not let that stuff deter from you know us getting back to some type of more normalcy or, or at least some mm-hmm. some sort of normalcy at the very least. I know some other stuff's happening, but you know, mm-hmm. but let's let's get back into the baseball. Yeah, Shohei Otani of the Anaheim Angels hit his 34th home run. Hit his 34th home run last Sunday against the Mariners in a 7-4 loss. Like you know, we talked about him on our last episode. He was the uh, main show at the All-Star Game, even though Vlad Guerrero Jr. had the MVP award. Uh, Shohei Otani, he's something special. Mm-hmm. I just hope that baseball markets him. I hope that Angels fans appreciate appreciates him, and will uh, Otani remain there for the rest of his career? Who knows? But uh, he's a one very special player. Yeah, he really is, and I can I can see why he's sort of the leader in the he's the leader in the clubhouse for AL MVP. I know mm-hmm. I know Blue Jays fans are you know, wish it was Vlad Jr. But look, how many times you're gonna get a guy who can both pitch consistently and hit consistently? So I think that that's sort mm-hmm. of like a a once in sort of like an every four year fifty year type of thing. So look, I think hopefully baseball markets them markets him well. I mean. Look, you know, the one thing about baseball, we've said this for like the last 10 or 15 years that they haven't not done a good job of marketing their top players. Like they, here's a guy that is special and can do both and, and, and do, a, do both well. So, you know, you wish that hopefully they can market him more. And, and, and look, I think it can play off the fact that he's Japanese, you know, I think especially with the stuff that's going, that's going on with Asian Americans, let, you know, this is a guy who can sort of be the face of the Asian community in a lot of ways and you know kind of be that positive life like look you know you guys treat him well he'll treat you well so and plus remember he actually took his winnings from the um from the the, the home run door he actually gave it to some workers for the angels organization so that's mm-hmm. a that was a nice little little sentiment for them so he's actually a good, a good guy too so there you go yeah class move very classy yeah going to the nl east uh the new york mess they took care of business <laughs> against the Pittsburgh Pirates, but not without some controversy. <laughs> Which should we go first, Lakina? Uh, what happened last Friday or last Sunday? Go in order. Go what happened last Friday. <laughs> let's see. Uh, Friday, Marcus, you could, um, let's go on this off of memory, of course. Uh, last Friday, uh, Marcus Stroman, the starting pitcher for the Mets, he got into it uh, with the whole Pittsburgh team. They started yelling sub back and forth, then the bench is cleared. I believe, uh, Francis, correct me if I'm wrong, Francisco Lindor got injured in that, in that yes, game yeah, as well. Yeah, he did. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, good, my memory's still good, <laughs> even though I'm 29. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. but uh, Francisco Lindor, who's, uh, who has struggled this year in his first year in the Mets uniform, uh, he got injured. And then, of course, uh, last Sunday, the uh, in the midst of a six-run first inning, uh, the starting pitcher uh, for the Mets, uh, the, the, foul, uh, the ball was hit. 
on the down the third baseline. It was tr trending fair, trending fair, and the starting pitcher, I forget his name, but uh, he swatted, uh, swatted at the ball. Yeah, swatted with his glove. It, and it picked it up, started yelling at the umpire. Yeah. Nice job by the Pirates uh, in picking up on that. It's a fair ball. You go score, and that's what happened. The starting pitcher for the Mets got kicked out. Uh, Rojas, the manager, got kicked out. Of course, uh, the Mets uh, used that to fire them up, and they came from a six-run deficit to beat the Pirates 7-6 to six to take that series. Yeah, so, Lakina, I haven't seen anything crazy <laughs> like that in a long time. I know I was watching MLB Network, and they had a similar play back in April of 1990 with the Mets in the Atlanta Braves mm -hmm. the year before they went to the World Series, by the way. The starting pitcher for the Mets was David Cohn, now current New York Yankees broadcaster. Uh, <laughs> I was like, you, you don't see that too much uh, very often. And Tejuan, Tejuan Walker, that's the, the best pitcher. Thank you. Thank that, you. Mm -hmm. He did that little weird swipe. and Yeah, he got tossed. Yeah, he got tossed first in the match. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then, then the Rojas got tossed too. So, you know, that, that mm -hmm. was just a really weird series. I mean, it, you know, I know these two kind of had their their little battles when they were in the NLE. So, with the Pirates were in the NLE, NLEs, I should say. So, I think that this is sort of like a continuation, mm -hmm. although it's been 30 years since, but, you know, then all that. But, you know, that was actually pretty funny, But uh, that, that whole thing. But it, is, it was actually a very interesting series. You know, who would have thought that those two had a you know, had some gripes but <laughs> it was just hilarious um but you know my look i think going back to yankees for a second ronan odor is the you know paying the first second baseman in mlb history with 710 home run season for his 28th birthday i mean he's been kind of one of the few bright spots hitting wise you know <laughs> since stanton's had his struggles you know judge has been injured and such and you know also to charlie blackman who's been the subject of a lot of trade rumors um, became the second player of Milwaukee's history to have three walk-off hits in a season. You know, they had to walk off against the, against the Dodgers, helping, you know, preventing them from, you know, the Rockets from getting swept and from, and from the Dodgers. Yeah, Charlie Blackman, could that be his last days in a Rockies uniform? Like hmm. I said, he's such a lot of trade rumors. And look, that, that, yeah. actually, <laughs> kept, that, that actually kept the, Do the Dodgers from sweeping them and, and from, you know, now being tied with the Giants. Now they're just, you know, a game back. You know, that was a missed opportunity for the Dodgers there. So just a very interesting things that happened over the weekend in baseball yeah that was going to bring up the san francisco giants uh they, they took care of the cardinals this weekend uh, as we said before it looks like they're not going away now do i have them winning the division no but will they compete for a wild card yes so as we said before what will giants man uh, management do at the trade downline will they pick up another starting pitcher will they pick up another big bat i don't think it's going to happen but could charlie blackman fit the san francisco giants hmm just a thought. Yeah, but do you really want to go in their division, though? That's a, You're right. That's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's sort of a weird, you know, breaking up in there. But, yeah, I mean, look, the Giants, they lost two out of three against the Cardinals. So, you know, that, that's why the Dodgers are only a game back now. But, you know, the Padres, you know, they're staying, you know, they're, they're, they're five back. Um, you know, in the East, you know, just a weird East. You know, we talked about the Mets. Um, you know, the Phillies, you know, they, you know, they won their series over the weekend. You know, they're mm -hmm. now, uh, you know, only two back, you know, the Braves, you know, they're four back and you know, the Nationals are six back. So that's going to be a very interesting division to see what those teams do now in the West because of the, you know, the White Sox being the Astros, you know, two out of three. Now that the A's are, mm -hmm. the A's have had their struggles though, but you know, they're only, they're still three and a half Yeah, back. Cleveland took care of them this weekend. Yes, they did. So they're three and a half back, but also to the Mariners. I mean, the Mariners might, 
I'm not saying that they're gonna be in it for the division, but they're only six bucks, so there could they could, could take for a while. <laughs> look, but like I said, I mean, you know, if you look at the wild card standings, I mean, they could probably very well contend for their two and a half back of that second wild card spot. So they could very be right, you know, right there. They're tied with the Blue Jays, so you never know. Yeah, you never know. So as we said before, be, between now and the trade deadline, things are getting interesting, and teams are jockeying for position. Before uh, we close out this segment, Lakina uh, will give our uh, listeners and viewers uh, the schedule for this week, upcoming week in Major League Baseball. You have uh, Mike Trout. He tweeted out on Sunday, Oakland, and like three or four airplane emojis. So it looks like he's coming back mm-hmm. as the, the Angels are traveling to Oakland to take on the A's. Kansas City will visit Milwaukee. Maybe they have off the Cubs. Maybe not. <laughs> Uh, the Miami Marlins, who had their struggles over the weekend at Philadelphia, they'll travel to Washington to take on the Nationals. Philadelphia, as we mentioned just a second ago, they'll play a two-game series at New York against the Yankees. Boston will play at Toronto in Buffalo. We have news on Toronto in just a minute. Mm-hmm. Baltimore will travel to Tampa Bay. The Mets will take on the Reds. Texas will go to Detroit. San Diego will go to Atlanta. Cleveland will go to Houston. Minnesota, of course, are playing the White Sox here on the south side for a big four-game series. The Cubs will visit St. Louis for four games. Seattle will travel to Colorado. Pittsburgh will play at Arizona. And then, of course, the big series this week will be a big three-gamer at Dodger Stadium between the San Francisco Giants and the Los Angeles Dodgers. That should be a lot of fun. We'll see if the Dodgers can take control of the NL West, or will the Giants, at least for right now, keep a hold on it? Yeah, right now the Dodgers have owned the Giants this year, especially at Dodgers Stadium. So we'll see if that trend continues. Now, before we close out the segment, I brought up the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, they asked uh, uh, the good folks uh, in Canada if they could play their uh, home, go back home to Toronto to play their uh, the remaining home schedule of the season at Rogers Center, I believe it's called. Now, you, those of you our age and older, and some of you young younger folks that know your history, it was originally called Sky Dome. Mm-hmm when they opened back in 1991. And so it looks like for now, the, the Toronto Blue Jays will play their remaining home games in Toronto starting next Friday, July 30th. Yep, with, yeah, with our three games. So that's good news for those fans in Toronto, Toronto, uh, in Toronto, Ontario, and Canada. I know that city has been, been on lockdown for literally over a year and a half. And so that'll be great for those, their fans to experience a good young team on the rise. Yeah, their 30th, that'll be the, the, the start of their series against Kansas City. And I know that this mm-hmm. is something that they, if you ask, you know, the Blue Jays players and the man and the manager, you know, the managerial um, staff, I mean, they've, they've been wanting this. I think that they've been kind of like, they haven't been really had a home. I mean, I know they've been playing in North Carolina, but it, it's not the same as playing in your home, you know, field. So mm-hmm. especially, like you said, to look at this, you know, this is a great young team. And look, I think this could only help them the fact that they're getting some stability again they think they're actually going to be able to play you know in in toronto Mm -hmm. at home basically and also too i mean you know with the the weird you know the restrictions and stuff is going to be interesting once Mm -hmm. other teams start you know traveling to toronto we'll see how you know the nba was able they were able to make that work with you know with the raptors and you know unfortunately they stayed you know Mm -hmm. still played in florida but you know again that'll be kind of interesting too but I think, look, they're still, they're right there, you know, in the, you know, like I said, they're right there in the wild card, you know, you know, spot. So I think that that's going to be, you know, that's really going to help the psyche. Hopefully they'll be able to play better. I mean, they've got three against Kansas City and, you know, four against Cleveland to start off that home stand, 
in Toronto. So I think that could all look, some of this could only help like a, a team psyche. I mean, they've been actually been really good. You know, I know they've, you know, you know, not being able to, you know, despite not being able to play at home, they're still, like I said, they're still right there in, in the playoff chase in the wild card chase, especially. So I think having, you know, now being able to actually able to come home and play, I think that'll definitely help. Like I said, this should definitely help a, a team psyche as well. All right. Segment number one is in the books. We have to take this 20 second time out. When Second City Sports returns with more sports month, more fun, we'll review last Saturday night's game five of the 2021 NBA Finals between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. We'll review uh, final preparation for both the women's and men's uh, Olympic basketball team. And the Blackhawks say goodbye to another legend. All that and more when we see and hear you on the other side. Welcome back to Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. Along with Lakina McGee, which is she, I am Sydney Brown. That's me. You can follow yours truly on Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80. That's SIDKID80. SIDKID80. You can follow me at Keena McGee on the Twitter and at Keena Oscar McGee on the IG. Let's uh, continue to talk basketball, Lakina, as we kick off the second segment of Second City Sports, uh, uh, talking about the 2021 NBA Finals. Last Saturday, Game 5 between the Suns and Bucks took place uh, in Arizona. The Milwaukee Bucks uh, uh, come from behind victory with a 123-119 to victory, taking a three games to two lead in this best-of-seven series. Drew Holiday led Milwaukee with 27 points and 13 assists. Devin Booker led the Suns with a game-high 40 points, grabbing four rebounds, addition out three assists. Lakina, before we really break this game down, Phoenix had a hot start. They tried to maintain it in the second quarter. Milwaukee started to make a run. After halftime, Milwaukee started to make a run. They took the lead. Phoenix tried to come back, but they made some crucial mistakes down the stretch, and Milwaukee was lucky to get out of there with a win. We'll, like I said, we'll get more in depth into what happened down the stretch in just a moment. But Lakina, Phoenix, this is my short short take on it. Mm-hmm. Phoenix really had a chance to close the Bucks out. They didn't do it. Toward the end of that first half, I had that funny feeling like, oh, this game is not going to go in that direction. It turned out I was right. Milwaukee came out the, the more aggressive team in that second half. Phoenix tried to get that act together in the fourth quarter, but it was just too little too late. Yeah, um, they should they should you know got the Bucks early on in when in the first quarter. That that's let's just be honest here. And the fact that they were up sixteen after the first quarter, the fact that this you know the Bucks were able to score forty three in the second, I think that just shows unfortunately <laughs> that you know the consistency. I think that you know the you know the you know the grittiness and the tenacity that the Bucks have shown. You know, I have to begrudgingly say that you know in these playoffs. <laughs> but again, if you're the Suns, you know you should have you should have went for the knockout punch and you had your chance to put out the knockout punch. You know, knock them out. You know, as as you know Jimmy Johnson said, you know way back in the day when he was coaching Miami you know, in football. You know Miami, the U, I should say. You know, pour it on them and don't let them up. I mean, that's unfortunately that's mm-hmm. what the Suns didn't do. So, I, I think that they were able to kind of pay. You know, they pay for it. look. Look, Drew, Drew Holiday scored twenty seven. He's not going to score twenty seven in every playoff game. You know, he's not going to do that. Um, and but you know what though, if you're the Suns, I mean, you could have. You know, you got forty from Devin Booker. I mean, he, I think he's the first to score back to back games. You know, forty points back to back. Despite you know in in the finals, but he can't. He's but he's also the first player to now lose both those games. So I don't know what 
what more you know booker can book can do i mean you know crowd only had 10 you know you could do a little bit more dude i mm -hmm. mean you know bridges you only had 13 you know you've had your struggles in you know these last couple of games you could be a little more you know aggressive and you know maybe some maybe some key guys from the best i mean both the camps you know cam you know cam johnson campaign you know you could probably do a little bit more as well you know to help book out i mean he needs he can't do it by himself guys i mean you kind of you know, I'm sure uh, Monty Williams is going to, you know, reiterate that, you know, more and more. But like I said before, I think, look, look our, our guy Josh Schick said it with, you know, you know him and Alantec, when we did that, that um, the panel uh, for the NBA Finals a couple of, mm -hmm. you know, a couple of days ago, he said, look, if the Bucks win, win game five, this one's going to go seven. And I believe him. So, you know, I know I had sons in six, you know, of course, that's not going to happen. But I think, <laughs> but look, I think that you got to look. You know, this is going to be like you know the the thing tonight where they're going to have to. If you're the Suns, you know, look, you have you had three days off. You know, there's there's no excuse. You can you you have to you know be aggressive. You gotta you know you gotta knock them out early if you can. And look, try to get the crowd out of it. Get that get that crowd out of it at the target. Get the crowd out of it early. So if you 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 know your best bet is you know that's probably your best bet. You get the crowd out of it, then you think you're going to force a game seven. If not, if you got if Giannis has a quick start, if Middleton starts shooting lights out, if you know Holiday, you know does what he's supposed to do, lockdown, lockdown, you know CP3, he's gonna CP3, you're gonna have to play a little bit better too, my friend. You know, I know, look, I know that you know Holiday has been sort of been you know you're throwing your side these last couple of games, but you need to be a little more aggressive. You know, look, you need to play like this is gonna be your you know you're probably your only chance at perhaps getting your ring. You need to start playing like it, so. I don't know. What do you think, Sid? Yeah, I want to point out just a couple of statistics uh, for you guys uh, listening and watching. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, uh, their bench was not productive. They only scored a total of 15 points. They only played uh, – Monty Williams only played three guys off their bench. I think that was a, a major factor in the game, as you mentioned, Lakina, quoting Jimmy Johnson. Uh, fatigue makes cowards of us all. I know Vince Lombardi's originator has said that quote. Excuse me, but you can tell that the Suns players were getting tired, especially during the last five, six minutes of that game. Monty Williams, the head coach of the Suns, he didn't trust their bench. They weren't giving them nothing, so you had to rely on your starters much more. I know we're coming down to the end of the series, but you know, you have to, uh, some of the role players, like you mentioned, is going to have to step up to have out DeAndre Aiden, who had a good game, 20 and 10. Chris Paul's stats didn't look that bad, but as we mentioned, we'll um, bring the elephant in the room in just a minute. But he had a couple of questionable plays down the stretch himself. It had nothing to do with him handling the ball. But Devin Booker, you, yeah, he had a great game, as we said in a couple episodes back. Uh, Devin Booker had a terrible game three, but he's been back on track ever since. So you cannot blame Devin Booker for what happened last Saturday night. It's just that you had to get more contributions from your supporting cast. Now, on the other side, flip side for Milwaukee, and I brought this guy's name up on our last show over the weekend, Pat Connington. He had another good game scoring rise off the bench with 14. And overall, the Bucks had 23 points off their bench. They only played three guys as well. Bobby, Bobby Portis, the former Chicago Bull, came up big in 19 minutes, scoring a total of nine points, including shooting two of four from the three-point land. He had a big uh, shot in the fourth quarter down the stretch there. So uh, Milwaukee, we talked about their bench being like like days ago for a lesser, uh, for a better term, but they – they had a little bit more impact than the Phoenix Suns did last Saturday night. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the key. Like, who's bitch is going to step up? I mean, do you really think – look, I think Port Portis, you know, look, Port, look, you give Portis some credit. I mean, he's done some, you know, does some good things. And 
has you know been made some key defensive you know defensive stops and and things like that and also key rebounds too you know Collington Collington you know had you know mm-hmm. was four for six from three I think that that's another fact that's mm-hmm. another key factor just when you thought that the Suns were starting to get you know catch up you know whether he or Middleton you know one of them would you know put a three in and just you know stop the momentum right there for the Suns so like I said before the key to this is getting the crowd in game six if you're the Suns get the crowd out of it because you know they're going to be jumping get the crowd out of it mm-hmm. early and don't and keep punching don't let up you know mm-hmm. just keep, you know just keep keep punching them in the mouth just keep punching them and punching them Look, eventually you know folks will get up you know in this, in this instance you know folks will get give up so they they probably won't but look i think if you're the nba you want a game seven you know that's not good for you know if olympic purposes but we'll get to that in a second but mm-hmm. you just gotta look i think if you just gotta take it one game at a time because i think look I know this is a must game, must win game for the Suns, but also too, this is a must win for the Bucks because they were in this situation, you know, a series back against you know Brooklyn. You know, they couldn't close it out at home. You know, well, mm-hmm. in you know for Game Six, now they did end up winning Game Seven. This is a totally different situation. So, you know, Suns, you know, their bench, their role guys need to step up. You know, Cam, you know, both the Cams, you know, Cam Johnson, campaign, they're both going to have to step up. I mean. They may have, you know, Monty Williams, they for, you know, just for fatigue purposes, they may have to get some of the guys out there. You know, maybe, maybe Frank Kaminsky has a game of his life, or maybe Smith has a game of his life. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to have to trust your bench. So, three, yeah, all hands on deck now. Yeah, you know, you, this is the last couple of games. You're trying to, we have to win two games now. So, if you're the Suns, like you said, all hands are, all hands on deck at this point. And also, too, I found it interesting that both teams shot the, the three. Point ball very well. The the Suns at sixty eight percent, the Milwaukee Bucks at fifty percent. I don't know if that's going to continue for both teams, but if you're the Suns, you rely on that more than Milwaukee Bucks. And if the Suns start hitting, it's going to be a long night for Milwaukee. But like you mentioned, Lakina, Phoenix has to come out aggressive and 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 keep their foot on the pedal, and stop depending on Devin Booker to bail you out. DeAndre, like I said, he had a nice game with twenty points, ten rebounds. I think you have to feed the beast early and get Giannis in foul trouble. Yes. If you could do that, yep. right. If you could do that, it puts pressure on the Milwaukee Bucks defense and it opens it up for Devin Booker, for Chris Paul, for um, Mikael Bridges. And Cam Johnson, uh, he only scored six points in the last game, but it'll open up for him too when he comes off the bench. So I would say try to feed DeAndre Aiden early and try to see if you can get Giannis and or Brooke Lopez in foul trouble early. I, yeah, I think that's that's probably going to be the key. I think if you can get either one of those guys in foul trouble, look if you can get look if you get PJ Tucker. I know he only scored three points, but he's also also the facilitator though for that Bucks offense too. He kind of like sort of like steers the ship, if you will. So if you get him in foul trouble early, I think that might help too. So, you know, I think like I said, be aggressive and get the top mm-hmm. get their top guys, the Bucks top guys in foul trouble early. You can force a game seven. Yeah, and also too on the flip side from for Milwaukee. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo has had the series of his life. I know he scored 32 points last Saturday, including that big dunk over Chris Paul with 15 seconds left to go. We'll talk about that play in a, just a moment. But if if you're a Phoenix, force Giannis to be a jump shooter. He's not a great jump shooter at all. He operates from the inside, and that's where he's been killing the Suns in this series. You can force him to shoot jump shots. That's going to go your way if you're Phoenix. If, if Giannis has another Giannis game when he dominates inside and facilitates and dunks in the lane, it's, it's going to be a long night. Chris Milton, he's been consistent these last couple of games. I expect him to step up. Like you said, Drew Holiday, I don't need him to score 27 points. I just need him to lock down Chris Paul. 
and continue to dish the ball, facilitate the offense, which he's done a good job these last couple of games. And also, too, like I said, P.J. Tucker, I don't need him to have the game of his life, but three points is not going to get it done. Yeah, I think that's going to be, like you said, so I think that's going to be the key. I would say, you know, for, force force Giannis into taking jump shots. That's not, you know, he hates taking mm-hmm. those jump shots. So force him to do it. Force him to kind of like, you know, you know, make some bad, just poor decisions and, you know, take a bad, you know, jump shot, which he doesn't mm-hmm. like. So I think if you're the Suns, you're going to have to be more aggressive on the defensive end. And, you're gonna, and also shooting wise, you're going to have to, you know, be dependent on the three. I think they depend on it a little too much, but I think if you hit your threes, you're going to have to be, you know, get right back on defense and then force Giannis to kind of make those bad shots. So, look, I think this is – I look, I think the Suns can win this, this game and force a game seven, but they're going to have to they're, – they're going to have to be more aggressive and, like I said, you know, punch them in the mouth and keep punching. Mm-hmm. And also, too, don't let up. I think the problem was the fact that they didn't that, – that they let up. They kind of, you know, took their foot off the mm-hmm. gas, like you said, said, and, you know, they got – the Bucks were able to get back in and, you know, kind of take control. So if you get into a big lead, you know, you need to, as, like I said, you know, Jimmy Johnson, pour on them and don't let them up. So yep. you gotta have to do that. Yeah. I may be in the minority of this group, but I, I think that Phoenix Suns will find a way to win game six. Their backs have been against the wall throughout these playoffs. And I, I expect them to win. It's not, not going to be easy. As you mentioned, that crowd, if I surf arena, is going to be loud. It's going to get, crazy and it's going to be at a fever pitch but like you mentioned like you know if you're phoenix you control that by coming out early and establishing yourself and keep your foot on the pedal and they they could do that and then it's going to be not to say an easy win but it's going to be a convincing win for the suns so i expect to be a drawn out game tonight for those of you listening on our podcast you can watch that game on abc here in the states tonight that's at eight o'clock p.m chicago time i i expect phoenix to have a great effort uh, they know deep down that they gave their game away and they uh, did some things they should have done um, with questionable plays down the stretch. And they know that they're the better team. At least the first two games, they looked unbeatable, but they haven't won a game in all of a week. You're down 3-2. So I expect a much better effort for Phoenix tonight. They're not going to go out quietly. I expect them to win. Uh, oh, I, oh, this is going to go seven. Oh, I, I, I'm with you, I think. I really believe this is going to go to a seventh game. And I think that, look, like you said, Seth, they, they've been fighters. You know, they're passing against the wall, you know, all mm-hmm. season. You know, they've been playing like it. You know, you're not going to get – you're not going to get rid of the Suns that ease. I know Bucks fans want to, like, you know, have their you – know, puffing up their chest and say, oh, we got this. We're going to win at home. Not so fast. <laughs> a couple of the items from uh, last Saturday before we move on. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo has shot 55% from the free throw line for this entire series. And I know in another key stat from game five was the Milwaukee out-rebounded the Suns, especially on the offensive end. That's why Milwaukee won that game as well. Phoenix could not come down with a defensive rebound when it mattered most. And, of course, now the elephant in the room, that big play, the alley-oop to Giannis with 15 seconds to go. Chris Paul fouled him. If you're going to foul Giannis, make sure you wrap him up entirely. I know Chris Paul is 6'3", 6'4", Giannis is almost 7 foot, okay? But you could you could have held him or slapped his wrist or his hand to and make him earn it that way at the foul line. But after the dunk, Giannis missed a potential three-point. He missed a free throw. Phoenix could not get the rebound. Plays like that down the stretch, is, it makes a big difference of you winning and losing ball games. And in this case, 
it may do the Suns in should they lose tonight. They'll look at that play, and they'll be kicking themselves in the butt, saying we should have had that defensive rebound. Maybe we would have tied the game. Maybe we would have won the game. If we would have grabbed a couple more of, of the defensive rebounds, we would have won one game five. But I think th- those uh, couple of sequences would, may come back to haunt Phoenix should they lose tonight. Which I think it's gonna that's gonna be the the thing. I think that don't make those silly mistakes. I mean, look, if you're gonna foul Giannis, you know, try to you know wrap him up, you know, try to kind of you know mm-hmm. slap him in the arm, or or even better, try not to follow him when he's you know trying to shoot. I think that's probably or or like we've been saying, force him to take jump shots. You know, we know mm-hmm. he hates. We all it's no secret that he hates taking jump shots. So force him into it. You know, be aggressive on the on the inside. You know, I think Aiden's gonna kind of try to mm-hmm. have to be the guy to kind of you know, force Giannis to take those those bad shots and try to maybe have maybe, you know, go for the block or something. Because I think, look, I think that to sort of like to deflate the team and get them the crowd out of the game right away is to sort of get Giannis or, and or Brooke Lopez in foul trouble so that they get, you know, they won't, they, you know, make Giannis, I know it's going to be hard to do, but make Giannis a non-factor. Yes, if you make Giannis a non-factor, he's going to, uh, he, he's going to have a bad night and then all of a sudden things up for the other guys is going to make Chris Middleton's game uh, that much more difficult because he doesn't have Giannis to carry him. And it's going to make all, all the Bucks players on their roster have to step up a little bit more. Now, if that happens, then it's going to be a long night for Phoenix. But like you mentioned, Lakina, you have to focus in on Giannis, make him become a jump shooter. If you can, uh, the odds are in your favor. If Giannis has another Giannis game, you can say good night. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Lakina, as we continue to talk basketball, let's switch over to the Olympics. We know that the opening ceremonies are a few days away. That technically Friday, July 23rd. Uh, back here at home, uh, the U.S. men's basketball team and the women's basketball team wrapped up their exhibitions in Las Vegas. Well, let's focus in on the men. Lakina, they uh, beat Spain. Zach Levine. Our very own Zach Levine from the Chicago Bulls. He looked good. Kevin Durant looked looked good. Uh, Damian Lillard um, had a Dame Dollar game, as the kids would say. Uh, he carried the um, uh, the U.S. team on Sunday in the final exhibition game. It was very competitive. Old man Paul Gasol still has something left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ricky Rubio was out there dancing around with the basketball. But uh, looking uh, in uh, that. Uh, that Johnson kid that we talked about on Friday, which the news was breaking, that uh, that broke, uh, he he filled in for Bradley Beal. Uh, he looked very well, uh, scoring 15 points. So I want to see how how uh, how head coach Greg Popovich uses him as a as their uh, the Olympics start for the men. Their qualifying round starts, I believe, on Sunday. And so I want to see with the preliminary round. So I want to see how he's being used. I want to see how the whole team plays because we talked about in our last episode with Josh and Alana. Well, the, well, we're trying to get used to international rules. We're trying to get used to uh, the referees, how they call games because it's very different in Olympic play than it is in the NBA. Yeah. So it looks like uh, looking at that, I know it's just one game, but looking at that game Sunday, it looks like the team USA on the men's side started starting to figure it out. Yeah, I think, look, I know there were some questions about having Keldon, jo- Keldon Johnson on that team, but he plays Keldon with, Johnson, yeah. Keldon Johnson, I mean, you know, he plays for the Spurs, you know, there's familiarity with, you know, with Pop and him, and he knows the, the system that Pop likes to, you know, likes to run, so I think having mm-hmm. that, I think that sort of is going to help, you know, the Team USA as a whole, you know, he had, 
you know, he was seven, you know, seven for nine from the field. So I think, look, I think mm-hmm. having that, I think can only help the U.S. And like we, we, look, we talked about it last week, Sid. I mean, there, I think they, they have France, Iran, and the Czech Republic in pool play. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, there's really no reason why the U.S. shouldn't have any issues coming out of pool play. Once they get into the knockout round, then I think that's going to be sort of like when the questions mm-hmm. will start. But I think, look, they played well against a very, you know, yes, yes, you know, that's an older, you know, Spain team. Yes, you know, 40-year-old Paul Gasol. Let's look, I've seen him play in some of the various Spanish leagues he's in. He, just, he still can play. And, look, I'm not too worried about, like I said, I'm not too worried about the, the men. I think they'll – They'll be fine. I think once they once they get everybody else, you know, there, and once everyone starts to mesh, and look, I know a lot of people don't like it, but you know, they don't like the setup. But look, it is what it is. You know, you have countries mm-hmm. who've been playing for, you know, ten, fifteen, some in some cases even twenty years. You know, since they were in you know school. So I know that people don't like the setup. You know, you can you know maybe well once Grant Hill takes over, maybe he'll change it. I, I don't know, but. Look, I think mm-hmm. that having, you know, look, winning your last couple, I know the Australian game was post, was uh, canceled, but I think having, winning against a very good Spain team can only help the psyche, like I said, for the U.S. men. I know, look, I know they're, they're on the way to um, Tokyo as we speak. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, I think you're, if you're, look, I think if you're the U.S., I think that, you know, especially on the men's side, I think you got to be feeling pretty good going into the, uh, the, the competition. Yeah, the, the couple of things that I worry about. First, uh, Bam Adebayo, um, shout out to our girl, Lana Tockhauer, uh, from the Miami Heat. Uh, he's the only big man that the USA has. And if, heaven forbid he gets in foul trouble or gets hurt. I know JaVale McGee was added, uh, also another player that was added on in the la- uh, as a re- last-minute replacement. But the U.S. really don't have any big guys outside of Bam Adebayo. And, and, that, and that's trouble. So even though the way the game is played today, it's still troublesome to me. So hopefully if, Bam, uh, uh, if nothing happens to him in terms of injury, hopefully he doesn't get in foul trouble, uh, the, the U.S. will be fine. But the lack of depth of, as far as mobile big men, that one that worries me. And so that's one thing I'll, I'll be looking at. And number two, I think we talked about this in our – I know we talked about this in our last episode. But Zach Levine, the way he's been playing these last couple of games in a tune-up session, I'm really like what, he, what, I'm look, what I'm seeing from Mr. Levine right now. And hopefully that he could carry this momentum in, into uh, the competition when it starts uh, uh, next Monday for, for Team USA. I want to see how he can t- take over a game. I know you have Durant. I know you have Jerry Green, who's not a scorer, but he's a facilitator. But I want to see how Zach Levine um, meshes in more with these guys that are, are, are at or above his level. Well, yeah, I want to, well, yeah, I think, you know, look, so far he's actually been pretty good since, you know, being in mm-hmm. the lineup. So I think that can only help. I think, look, look, I think it's, it's look, I think Zach could be kind of like the guy that can kind of help sort of, he can facilitate the offenses too. So I think if you're a great Popovich, I think that's what, that's what you want to see. And look, as far as the big, the big man's concerned, you know, yeah, I mean, the, the pain protection could be an issue, especially once you start playing teams like Australia, you know, mm-hmm. like, like Serbia and, you know, Slovenia too, you know, who, where Luka plays. And, you know, that's the sort of thing that you have to worry about because they have big guys. So that's probably like one thing where that might be a deterrent for the United States, you know, men, on the men's side. But look, I think if, as long as you're getting the consistency once, like I said, once the, you know, Holiday and Booker and Milton, once they get there, you know, hopefully they'll still have, especially if it goes seven, you know, the files go seven, hopefully they'll still have something left in the tank. But again, you know, I'm not like I said, I'm not too worried. Like I said before, once they should get, they should go get a pool play, no problem. They should 
you know, get into the knockouts and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens once they get deep into that. Yeah, here's the schedule for the USA men's Olympic team uh, next Sunday at 8 a.m. Eastern time at 7 o'clock Chicago time in the morning. As you mentioned, Lakina, USA would take on France. And then Wednesday, July 28th at 12.40 a.m. Eastern time. That's Tuesday, late Tuesday night here on the Central Time Zone. You'll have – oh, I was wrong. See, uh, my computer's uh, screwing up. Do you have a schedule for you, Lakina? No, yeah, they, they play, play again. They play Iran. Iran, okay. Yeah, I see it now. Yeah, they play Iran Yeah, at 12.40 a.m. Eastern, so that's 11.30 p.m. on a Tuesday, Chicago time. Then, of course, uh, uh, next Saturday, July 31st, uh, the last game of the preliminary round, that's at 8 a.m. Eastern, that's 7 a.m. Chicago time. USA would take on the Czech Republic. As you mentioned, you should be 3-0. There's no excuse. Mm -hmm. This is an extension of the exhibition session. Mm-hmm. If you can't win those three games, you don't belong to qualify for the medal round. Yeah. Like, like, I, said, like I said before, there's, there's no reason why the U.S. shouldn't be, you know, 3-0 going into the knockouts. I, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm not worried. I mean, they should be able to – I know France has some players, but, you know, you should be able to beat them pretty, pretty handily. Iran mm-hmm. should be able to beat be handily. Same with the Czech Republic. I know they got a couple of guys on there, but – you shouldn't, there really shouldn't be, there's really no excuse that they don't start 3-0 and then pull and pull play. They just really shouldn't. Yeah. Are you getting 2004, not in, we didn't even talk about this in our last episode, but are you getting the 2004 vibes no. or are you just on a wait and no. see mode? No, I'm on wait and see. I know okay. I've, I've heard people will use it as like a, a comparison, mm-hmm. but I, I, I mean, look, okay. LeBron, D-Wade and Carmelo, they were all very young. You know, you had, like, I, I think the coaching didn't help either. You know, I think Larry Brown, I think that just, I just, he didn't really get, couldn't get control of his guys. So I, I find it hard to believe that, oh, well, you know, do you guys do realize, you know, they had Iverson and Marbury and Boozer and, you know, and Marion and Mari Stoudemire and Tim Duncan and Richard Jefferson. I mean, I just, like, I, I get very, like, Look, this is kind of like their G team, this year's team. Those guys, you know, there was no excuse for them, you know, not to win a gold medal that year in 04. There was no excuse. And I think that coaching, like I said, coaching should have been, you know, gotten more of the blame. I think Larry Brown, I think, you know, I think he just couldn't control a lot of those, a lot of their guys, his guys. So I think that played a factor as well. So for people to compare this team to the 04 team, like I started seeing, I'm like, okay, are we? Did we remember? Are we remember the same O four team? Because I remember that O four team. That team, you know, they were kind of like, you know, that they're just they they're just kind of like, you know, twelve different individuals. They weren't playing as one team. Like I said, the coaching mm-hmm. didn't help. So I don't know how you feel about it, Sid, but that's just my synopsis. I'm getting a little bit of sense of that, but I, I'm, I, it's, it's half and half. I know that we as Americans expect our athletes to be dominant. You're not going to win everything, but I know we've been dominating basketball for a long time. Okay. But here's the, here's the reality. The rest of the rest of the world has caught up with us in terms of basketball. Okay. We saw that 20 for the last 20, 25 years. And we were we referred to back to 2004 and we didn't have our best team out there. And that team on talking about the U S won a bronze medal. But since then, we've gotten back on track. But 
uh, your superstars in the NBA from foreign land, they do not play for the U.S. They play for their home countries like Spain, Argentina, the Czech Republic, as you mentioned, uh, Australia. So uh, some of your college stars that didn't make it in the NBA or had a cup of coffee, they're playing for, uh, in Euro leagues overseas, and they're uh, playing on qualified uh, Olympic teams for for those native countries. So the rest of the world has caught up, and this is all re a result of the, of the original 1992 uh, Dream Team, USA Dream Team. And so you see almost now two generations of players that played in the NBA but going back home to play for their home countries for the Olympics. Uh, they're not fooled by us. They're not intimidated by us. That's the main thing. And so the rest of the world has caught up with us. Maybe we'll still win in terms of the U.S. Uh, as a gold medal, but it's not going to be easy. Oh, no, and I think, I think if people, that's another thing when they kind of get over the fact that they're not going to be able to beat teams like 50, 60, 70 points. Mm -hmm. That's that, that those days are, are gone, like you said. So, yeah, you know, we got to be prepared for that. We got to accept that fact. Yeah, and also, too, like just about every you know, country that's playing in the Olympics, they have at least one guy that's, that's playing in the league right now at the very least. Mm -hmm. So, or have played, you know, professional basketball or have, have played college basketball here in the States. So, you know, for people to say, look, those, those days are done. I think if people, once people kind of realize, you know, what's happening, I think that everyone will be better off. But I think, like I, like I said before, also too, Sid, I mean, this isn't like, you know, the, 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 the big, like the top, like, you know, dream team, if you will. I mean, the mm -hmm. retired, Carmelo's, you know, retired. Steph didn't want to play. Clay's, you know, still recovering from his injury. Harden didn't want to play, although, you know, looking back, I think he probably should have, you know, just saying, we won't, mm -hmm. we won't get into that. But yeah, I mean, look, they, they've had, they have guys, you know, their top guys just don't, didn't want to play or just aren't playing. So, you know, for folks to say that, oh, well, this should be dominant, but the, look, this isn't, this is like their third, like their G team or like their H team or something. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of like, I kind of roll my eyes when I see people say, well, we should be beating team like 30 or 40 points. Having been not with the squad. How, have you guys not been following basketball? Like our, our, our buddy Matt Peck said, are you guys not been following basketball the last 20 years or, you know, mm -hmm. the, you know, this, you know, the kind of squad, you know, that's in the, that's going to be playing in the Olympics. Come on. Yep. People need, need to do their homework. And so you won't hear silly statements like that. So the Olympics, I'm, I'm excited about it. Lakina will be watching and we'll be giving our commentary. So it, it should be interesting and it should be fun. Uh, last few moments here on Sega City Sports, along with Lakina McGee, which is she, I am Cindy Brown. That's me. Lakina, we have some news on another, uh, another superstar that will not be participating in these upcoming Olympics in Tokyo due to COVID-19. Yeah, this is a bummer on the women's you know, side. Tennis, um, Coco Goff, the 17-year-old from here in the United States, she announced on Sunday that she tested positive for COVID and now she won't be able to participate. I know she feels bad because she really wanted to play you know, in, in Tokyo to represent her country and perhaps maybe win a medal for them you know, in tennis. So this is such a bummer. And I think one of the alternates from the gymnastics team, the women's gymnastics team, tested positive so she you know she mm -hmm. can't be able to now they got to bring somebody else in another alternate you know how they're doing it so i know some people have been saying you know why can't why can't they cancel the games you know they're not going to be people there you know parents you know parents spouses you know boyfriends girlfriends you know family members are not going to be able to attend only just their their just their their training you know their coaching staffs but look they lost you know the olympics you know lost out last year because of covid Come heck or high mm -hmm. water, they're gonna, you know, the, the IOC is gonna make the Olympics happen. This is about money. NBC wants the Olympics to happen too, and all the other television mm -hmm. affiliates for this are gonna be telecasting this. So, 
you know, they're going to make it happen. The money is the root of it, unfortunately. If they have to do it in a mm-hmm. bubble, you know, they're sleeping on cardboard, you know, beds. <laughs> I think also, too, to dis- discourage, you know, some little Indian windows that we've, we've heard have happened over the years in the Olympics. Bedroom you know, fun. Those, um, yeah, keeping those, it clean as possible. Yeah, <laughs> oh, the Olympic Village, you know, so I'm sure they're gonna, all yeah. going to be like, you know, you know, in a bubble. Don't you spread of, that, Rona. You exactly, keep to yourself. Exactly. You, 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 oh, you said it better than You me, know, so. they'll get tested a thousand times per day. So. Yeah, so, yeah, like three times, three or four times, maybe maybe daily. So, yeah, mm-hmm. they're going to tr- they're gonna try and make this happen. There might be some folks that might have to go home or might have to quarantine due to COVID, but the Olympics are going to happen, folks, whether you like it or not. Yeah, I was just going to ask you uh, that, Lakina, uh, before we um, move on to our last story. Do you think it's going to be a disastrous Olympics? I hope not, but do you think it's going to be sort of disastrous or a major disaster or or a mild disaster as far as athletes had to go home and, and events being moved around or canceled overall due to uh, uh, the amount of uh, co- uh, competitors uh, – Hopefully they don't catch the virus, but I think it will depend on obviously how many people have it. But do you expect a major outbreak, or do you think it's gonna? I'm not. It's not gonna be a perfect. No, that's not. Olympics. Let, not. Let's let's accept that. But how much damage do you think it's gonna have? Do you think it's gonna be minimal, major, or somewhere in between? I I think it's gonna be minimal, minimal. I think because I think I think so too. I don't think it's gonna be disastrous, obviously, because like you said, money's on the line. But I think it's gonna be not gonna say the halfway point, but it's not gonna be enough where it's going. The games are gonna get canceled. I know I'm sure some people will be rooting for that because it'll be the big story, but Mm -hmm. I just don't see that happening. But like we talked about the last few weeks, you know, I know our athletes, most of them, not not all of them, have been vaccinated. We let's just assume that, but you have other people from other countries coming in from around the world to Tokyo, Japan. Are they vaccinated? We know other countries, including India, have been having problems with vaccination. Unlike here in the United States, I know the numbers have been up up lately, but a lot of people have gotten vaccinated. We're back to our normal lives, but we know that other countries have been having problems with the vaccination programs. And are other athletes vaccinated if, if, from other parts of the world? If so, how many? Well, that's, that's a real uh, factor here. Yeah, I think it's going to be minimal, too. I think, like, like you said, Sip, I think look, it's also going to depend on the, the access of the vaccination in some of these countries. I know mm-hmm. that some countries have encouraged their, all their athletes to be vaccinated. And I, I know that some of the other, like, you know, like other countries, like India, unfortunately, vaccinations are not available. So or the very mm-hmm. least is minimally available. So I think that's sort of what's causing the rise in their numbers. You know, just, you know, just, it was just horrific. I don't know how the numbers are now, but I know for like, you know, for maybe like about a month, you know, the, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the numbers have been astronomical. But like you said, so I think they're going to be tested daily. Like I said, if they're going to have to maybe, you know, everyone's going to have to wear a mask. I'm sure everywhere, whether they like it or not. I've, I know I've heard some mm-hmm. guys, some guys, you know, they may get kicked out. They don't wear a mask, or the very least, gonna, I'm sure they're going to have hand sanitizers and, you know, mm-hmm. sanitation wipes everywhere. So, and the in the, the villages, and then the they're already like, you know, they've already cut off the, um, the there's not going to be any spectators there. So they're hoping to cut down that risk. Basically, to- Tokyo and, and then uh, you know the city of Tokyo and around the city of Tokyo, there's going to be in a bubble pretty much. So you're not yeah. going to have there's not going to be a lot of access. Also, too, I'm wondering that uh, well, I'll get to the, the Open Championship in a second, in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, who's if what about their their commentary teams for the U.S. and for you know Britain and for the other and for other countries? Are they going to be in Tokyo or they're going to be like in a remote area, like maybe outside the city, or they're going to be like in Europe mm -hmm. or something, you know, to do that? So using various feeds, so that's going to be another problem. So I I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a very it's I think it's going to be minimal. Like I said, there's a there's like millions and millions of dollars on the line. So mm -hmm. they're going to, these games are going to happen. So like, I'm not going to say it's gonna, they're going to go through like, you know, the whole, the whole two weeks and like, no one's going to get tested to get, you know, not going to get COVID mm -hmm. or tested positive for COVID. That's but, just unrealistic. But it's not going to be to a point where like events, events will get moved around or events will get canceled or somebody's going to have to withdraw. I don't think it's going to get to that point, but again, we'll see. Hopefully, you know, knock on wood, mm -hmm. you know, that's not, it's minimal at best. All right, before we get to our last story, Lakina, you wanted to have a comment about the Open Championship? Uh, Colin Marikawa, congrats to him for winning his second major, um, winning the Open Championship at Royal St. George's Golf Course. About three hours just outside of England, about a three, three and a half hour drive, I believe, just outside of England. Um, he just, you know, just, you know, we, we talked about him, you know, on Friday, said, and we recorded that <laughs> he was right there. He was at the, he was a club, clubhouse leader, just had, I think I had, like, he's talking like 64 or something. You know, which is one you know, one off the record. He definitely he just dominated that course. You know, from from then on. You know, you know, Spieth made it interesting because he loves links golf, but you know, he wasn't. He just couldn't make the putts late. I know it was Hazen once again. This is I think that's his seventh, like this his seventh top three finish in the major. You know, just the I'm sure he's kicking himself right now. John Rahm made it a little bit interesting, but the holes just there wasn't enough holes for him to catch up. So. Kepka, you know, had a nice, you know, final round to get some of that money. $2.1 million, you know, Mr. Morikawa is getting. He's a, he's actually Joyce Tiger as being like the first, the, just the second guy to have, you know, have two majors before he turns 24. You know, if you, you, you listen to him and, you know, his, his you know, he just, it wasn't, you know, he just, it didn't like phase him. So he was sort of like he ready. And then he played the Scottish over like a couple of weeks before the Open Championship. So he can get in, he can kind of get used to the Lynx golf and that style. I know that he couldn't have his family or his girlfriend with him because of the the, the, the travel mm -hmm. restrictions, you know, due to COVID in the UK. But you listen to his comments afterwards. I think he loved, you know, he loved, you know, winning, especially in front of a, a big crowd because when he won the PGA Championship in 2020, there were no crowds, obviously. So, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, you know, he felt, he definitely felt the energy from the crowd. You know, the, the open crowds are probably the best. And also, too, remember, it's going to be in France, the, the 2021 um, Ryder Cup, I believe, is going to be in Paris for the first time. So, you know, that's going to, that's going to be, that's a, that's a link style course. So, you know, just, just a, a great overall. And look, I'm not going to say that, you know, that this is going to be like golf's big star, because I know that they've been trying to get like a Tiger type, you know, guy. But, you know, this is someone that can... This is definitely someone that can definitely like be sort of like that that new a new star that you know golf has been waiting for. Let's say Trace, let's Trace. I should say that's in Minnesota. That's mm -hmm. actually that's actually where I believe where Steve Stricker, who's the Ryder Cup captain, played. You know, he did, he grew up not too far from that course. That's kind of a lake style course. So we'll see what happens <laughs> with that. But uh, yeah, it was Wisconsin. I should say should work Wisconsin. But yeah, so congrats to him, and you know, we may be seeing golf's newest star. All right, we'll see what happens with that. Last story, we didn't get to it in our last episode because a whole lot more has been going on in the sports world. But uh, let's, let's do that hockey. There's mm -hmm. a chance to wrap up Chicago very own, Chicago's very own, by the way, would say let's do that hockey. Um, uh, it's been a week now. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks uh, say goodbye to another legend. Of course, earlier in the season, Brent Seabrook retired due to his um, various injuries. 
Duncan Keith is the latest uh, star from that old Blackhawks dynasty. He, he was traded to the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, he's going to be close to his son now. Duncan mm-hmm. Keith has had a, a great career, 16 years in a Blackhawks uniform. He's played over 1,100 games, scored 101 goals, and dished out a 509 assists with a total of 610 points. He won three Stanley Cups, including the Conn Smythe Trophy, the playoff MVP in 2015. Duncan Keith was part, was one of those important parts on the ice to help turn that Blackhawks uh, situation around. Uh, he's one of the top uh, defensemen of his era. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I just wanted to say congratulations to Duncan Keith on a great career. On the other side, GM Stan Bowman, uh, he has work to do. We all have known that for the last uh, few years or so. I know that Seth Jones is a target for the Blackhawks this offseason, along with Dougie Hamilton for a young defenseman. So that opens up room for the Hawks. Also, uh, the Hawks save a lot of money in cap space. We know they struggle with cap space the last couple of summers, so uh, they'll get some relief from that. But going back to Duncan Keith, uh, we all know that good things must come to an end. He's, he's had a great career. And when Edmonton comes to Chicago to play the Blackhawks uh, next season, Duncan Keith is going to get a standing applause. Should his number be retired? Who knows? But he's had a great career. Brought three, uh, helped bring three Stanley Cups home to Chicago. Uh, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer as I, I mentioned. He's had a great career, but age is catching up to him. He's still good, but age is catches up to him, as we always say. Father Time is undefeated. So, am I sad a little bit, but not really, because this Blackhawks team, although they've shown signs uh, uh, last season that they could be a playoff team again, you just need to move out the old guard to bring in new players. And this is what's happening right now. Two Conn Smythe, or should I say, two Norris trophies, I should say. One Conn Smythe trophy, mm-hmm. four All-Star camp selections, and two gold medals for Canada in his career with the Hawks. Um, 105 goals, two, 520 assists, 1,628 block shots, 2,447 shots on goal, and in almost tw- 1,200 games with the Blackhawks. I think, like, I know some people would say that I, I kind of feel like, you know, Keith is one of those, you know, kind of like the key to that core. I know that, you know, if Tays gets his due and also Kanner gets his mm-hmm. due, but I think, I really feel that like Duncan's the one that kind of like helped get those three, those three Stanley Cups to Chicago. I mean, look, he's, he, like you say, he's 38 years old. I mean, he's got, you know, his, you know, his son Colton, like you said, lives in Edmonton. He want or just outside, I believe, you know, mm-hmm. he wants to be close to him, him. So that's why he, you know, that's why he wanted to be traded to Edmonton. And like you said, Sid, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see if, you know, what Stan Bowman, what Stan Bowman does, you know, with that, that I guess some money to play with. Now I know, know the names you mentioned that that's, those are guys that the Hawks are going to be targeting during the off season. We'll, we'll see. But look, I think that, you know, like I'm sure he's going to get something. I'm sure he'll get maybe get a statue put up with him and with the missing teeth. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's probably that's yeah. Probably game like four, the, San Jose in 2010. Yeah, yeah they swept the charts away. That's one of the Blackhawk fans' favorite moments. So so is mine. Yeah, it's like you got like five or six of his teeth. Now I remember right after that they won the cup. Um, mm-hmm. He said, no, "Does anybody know know a good dentist?" <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, my God, I got dentist. Dentist, you even know a good dentist. So yeah, you remember that 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 moment. But yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely mm-hmm. you know one of those stars here in Chicago that will be remembered and people will love for mm-hmm. the forever. You know, he's definitely a legend here in Chicago. 
Yeah, congratulations to him once again on a great career. Good luck to him, to him and Everton. He's going to look at a play with another rising superstar who's been a superstar for the last few years, and Mr. Connor McDavid. Definitely, he should definitely be. So he'll definitely have that mentor there too. So I um, mean, you know, he said he already said he's looking forward to you know kind of being his mentor. So. Not, not that he really, not that McDavid really needs it. He's doing pretty well by himself. But <laughs> he, look, he's still a guy, so I'm sure he can definitely use, definitely listen to some words of wisdom there mm-hmm. from some from better like Duncan Key. So yep. we'll see how that goes. But you now on that note, though, you know, anything else, Sid, that you want to before we wrap up? Uh, the, the Sox have an important series going back to baseball uh, against Minnesota this week. Um, hopefully they take care of business. They will see on the north side where the Cubs can do. This is a critical week for them. I believe Jeff Hoyer, their GM, has made up his mind, but let's see if the players can change his mind. We'll see well, as they take on the Cardinals on the road for four. And some sports media news to share with you guys. Michael Phelps will be doing the swimming coverage with – um, Dan Hicks and Rowdy Gaines. So the 22-time medal winner will be, you know, doing some TV work for NBC. So I don't know if they're going to be mm-hmm. in the studio or they're going to be in person, but this should be fun. I mean, he did a little bit during the Olympic trials. He was actually pretty good. So we'll see how he does. <laughs> I like Rowdy Gaines. Let's let's, yeah. let's see how much they let uh, Michael Phelps talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? No well, disrespect to Dan Hicks, but. Uh, Rowdy Gaines really brings out the commentary with the yes, swimming. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Oh, yeah. Well, look, he's got, I think he's, I think he won, like, five gold medals in 84. So, yeah, so he knows, mm-hmm. yeah, he knows a little something about swimming. I know he, I think he coaches, too. I think, I think two of his older, oldest stars, I think, are competitive swimmers, I believe, or mm-hmm. his middle, middle daughters, or his, well, well, at least one of his daughters, or, or he has five daughters, or at least one of them is a yeah. competitive swimmer. So, you know, but yeah, so that should be a fun one between the three of them. And like I said, we'll see how much Dan Hicks talks. But I'm sure he probably would not mind not talking that much, <laughs> but again, yeah. we'll <laughs> he, he might be okay with that. Who knows? But, uh, <laughs> but we'll see. So like I said, you know, you got the Olympics coming up. You got, you know, baseball, of course, you know, we'll see. Also too, we're almost at, you know, we're almost at training camp, Sid. Um, the Steelers, the Cowboys, because they're going to be playing in, uh, in the Hall of Fame game, but also, too, the defending champion Bucks are now at training camp as we speak. You know, of course, everyone else, including the Bears, will be starting their training camps later next week. So, mm-hmm. you know, we got to get back into football mold there, Sid. So, all right. But we will, you know, we'll, we'll talk more mm-hmm. about it later on. So we're not going to – it's called a tease, folks. You're not going to – we're not going to give you all of our secrets. <laughs> Right away. But on that note, you can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan Square McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly, Cindy Brown, on the Twitter and the IG and the social media streets, as the kids would say. Mm. SAK80. Again, SAK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R Media. Videos drop every Monday and Friday. Videos drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube. You can get the audio version of this podcast, which is released every Tuesday and Saturday. Once again, the audio version is released every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor. Once again, at War on Anchor on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. You can go to weareregalradio.com, our website, for more details. And you can follow us on all social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at War Media. Once again, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at WARR Media. Thank you in advance. For your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. For Lakina, for Miss Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. That has been the latest edition of Sega City Sports. Tune in, tune in to a new edition 
of Second City Sports. So later this week, will there be a new champion in the NBA, or will we be previewing a game or review? Or yeah, I'll say the game seven will be Thursday. Game so. seven will be played. So yeah. uh, who's going to be the new NBA champion? Will it will it be Milwaukee? Will it be Phoenix? Will it be a seventh game that we'll be talking about? Or you 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 get the idea. So a new champion will be crowned. Who will it be? Who will it be, Milwaukee or Phoenix? And we'll preview uh, baseball the weekend series for both our teams as the Cubs will face Arizona. And the Sox will go up to Milwaukee for the first time in a few years to take on the Brewers. So that should be fun. For Lakita, I'm old Sid. AL, old AL Central matchup. Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For Lakina, I'm Sid. This has been Sega City Sports. Until next time, don't do nothing stupid. Take care of yourselves. Stay safe. Until next time. Holla. Wash your hands. If you're not going to get vaccinated, wear a mask. Just saying. <laughs>